We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go episode 586 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Friday June 2nd 2023 if Thursday night's NBA Finals game one is uh what these NBA Finals are going to be uh then these NBA Finals are not going to be much a 104-93 Denver Nuggets win over the Miami Heat in a game that wasn't even as close as that 11-point margin. Uh, the Nuggets led for the entireties of the second, third, and fourth quarters, led by 24 points in the third quarter. Uh, the Joker, Nikola Jokic, another triple-double, his ninth this postseason, extending his uh, NBA record for triple-doubles in a single postseason. But how about this? The Heat totaled two free-throw attempts the entire game. Yes, Two free throw attempts for the Heat the entire game. Fewest free throw attempts for a team in a postseason game in NBA history. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Hey, Commander's Bitter Brian Davis, our guy, our pal, the pride of Bladensburg High School in Bladensburg, Maryland, the former Duke basketball player, the former NBA player, the former part owner of DC United. He has withdrawn that lawsuit against Bank of America. I know that many of you now can rest easy knowing that this is the case. So we on May 19th learned that Brian Davis's company, Urban Echo Energy, had filed a multi-billion dollar lawsuit against Bank of America, which is handling the sale of the commanders. The lawsuit originally sought $500 billion in damages. We last Friday had a hearing uh, for this now withdrawn lawsuit. A lawyer representing Bank of America at the hearing raised the possibility that the documents at the center of this lawsuit against the bank were, quote, fictitious, end quote. Yes, the lawyer at this hearing basically called Brian Davis what a lot of us are thinking that he is, 
a fraud, a con man, a carny, uh, and now he has, in fact, withdrawn the lawsuit. Well, uh, there's nothing fraudulent about this installment of the podcast. At least I don't think that there is. Uh, coming up on the show, in-depth discussion of what ended up being a press conference day in Washington, D.C. sports on Thursday. Uh, we, on Thursday morning, had the introductory press conference for the Capitals' new head coach, Spencer Carberry. We, on Thursday afternoon, had post-OTA practice press conferences for Commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy and Commander's defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, EB and JDR at the mic. Uh, and so I on this show, I'm going to take you through uh, the most notable things that were said and give you my thoughts on what was said. Next segment, I'm talking Eric Bieniemy, including what he had to say about his coaching style. A lot on that. Uh, also, Bieniemy on quarterback Sam Howell. Uh, Bieniemy on receiver Terry McLaurin. Bieniemy on a practice incident with running back Brian Robinson Jr. Eric Bieniemy spoke at length about quite a few things. Uh, then I'll get into what our guy Jack Del Rio had to say. Now, if you know our guy Jack, you know that he's not the world's biggest fan of speaking to the media, but Jack did address the continued absences of edge defenders Chase Young and Montez Sweat from OTA practices. Uh, Jack also addressed two points of emphasis for the commander's defense this offseason. Jack also addressed the freedom that he is given by head coach Rod Rivera, and Jack addressed where we are with linebacker Jamin Davis. As much as Jack may not love doing press conferences, uh, he on Thursday afternoon actually said some interesting stuff. Uh, and then later on the show, I'll talk Spencer Carberry, including what he said about trying to get the Caps younger while also contending for the Stanley Cup playoffs, and what he said about the identity that he wants to establish with the Caps. Uh, you will also hear from Caps Senior Vice President and General Manager Brian McClellan. Before we get to some feedback, uh, we on Thursday evening did have some breaking Wizards news. They reportedly are hiring Travis Schlenk as Senior Vice President of Player Personnel. So he will be working under the new president of Monumental Basketball, Michael Winger. But Schlenk is not the general manager or general manager type who the Wizards are looking to hire, uh, wrote ESPN NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski in a tweet on Thursday evening, quote, New Wizards president Michael Winger lands a well-regarded talent evaluator and executive as he continues his search for a general manager, end quote. Uh, also, Wizards insider Ava Wallace of the Washington Post, she on Thursday night tweeted, quote, as the SVP of player personnel, New Wizards hire Travis Schlenk, will oversee all pro and amateur evaluations worldwide and oversee scouts. His hiring also likely won't be the last aside from a GM. Expect the Wizards front office to change significantly and get bigger as well. End quote. So we have Michael Winger as president of Monumental Basketball. We are getting Travis Schlenk as senior vice president of player personnel and a general manager or general manager type also is coming. Uh, Travis Schlenk has an impressive resume, ran the Atlanta Hawks basketball operations from May 2017 until this past December. He was assistant general manager for the Golden State Warriors from July 2011 
until May 2017. If you are skeptical about these Wizards hirings, I don't blame you. It's hard to be super bullish about the Wizards, but there is a good bit to like about Michael Winger and Travis Schlank. And I do find it encouraging that uh, our owner, Monumental Sports and Entertainment founder and CEO Ted Leonsis, is spending some money here uh, on established NBA front office talent. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweets from at ddarkness571 on something that Commander's head coach Rod Rivera said during his pre-OTA practice press conference on Wednesday morning, writes, ddarkness571. Galdi, we got Ronnie's on Wednesday. I'm going to help you out. (laughs) Ron at the 1725 mark answered a question by saying that he doesn't believe in a run first offense, yet he had the 1438 mark in the season ending presser with Mayhew said run first was a philosophical belief. LOL, when I heard Ron's answer during that presser on Wednesday, I was like, he's lying. Goldie is right. We're getting Ronnie's. (laughs) Thank you for the tweets. D Darkness. 571. Hope that all is well in the darkness. Uh, yes, Ronnie's, the language of Ron Rivera, who has a tendency to uh, change his mind on things, or at the very least, change his public tune on things. Uh, Ronnie's is this phenomenon of our guy Ron saying whatever he's feeling in the moment, and or whatever sounds good, uh, and or whatever he believes that people want to hear. We over Ron's three and a half years as Washington head coach have experienced Ronnie's quite a bit. So as you likely remember, uh, Ron Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew, uh, they in their joint season ending press conference this past January 10th, very much championed a running game oriented offense. So much so that Martin now famously at one point said that the near 2-to-1 run-to-pass ratio that the Commanders had in their season-ending 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this past January 8th was ideal. Uh, Ron and Martin took a lot of criticism for championing a running game-oriented offense in this, the year 2023, and uh, a good bit of that criticism came from me on this podcast. Now, uh, I never took that 2-to-1 run-to-pass ratio thing literally But there's no doubt that Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew at that joint season-ending presser on January 10th very much championed a running game-oriented offense. So with that as a backdrop, uh, we, during Ron's pre-OTA practice press conference on Wednesday morning, had the following exchange. Hey, Ron. Ron, you said earlier in the year that you guys wanted to be like a run-first offense. Uh, no, be- I, I said we wanted to be a, be an offense that can run the ball when they want to run the ball, and also when they they know that they, you know that they know that the, you know you're going to run the ball. All right, and notice how quick Ron Rivera was to correct <laughs> the person asking the question. Uh, Ron is very aware of the criticism that he and Martin Mayhew took uh, for their uh, joint love sonnet <laughs> to the running game this past January 10th. What truly is Ron Rivera's offensive philosophy? Who knows, okay? I mean, again, Ron Ease. I will say this. Uh, if, in fact, the commander's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy is truly running the team's offense, and every indication right now is that he is, I have a really hard time believing that, and I would be extremely disappointed if the enemy doesn't have 
a more modern way of viewing NFL offense. And the modern way is that passing offense leads the way. Not that rushing offense doesn't matter. Everything matters. But passing offense leads the way in the NFL of today. Eric Bieniemy spent the last 10 seasons as an offensive assistant on the coaching staff of one of the smartest offensive-minded head coaches in NFL history, Andy Reid. Uh, Bieniemy spent the last five seasons as Reid's offensive coordinator, and Bieniemy, of course, did all of this for a Kansas City Chiefs team that has been excellent offensively for years now. Uh, I would be very surprised if Bieniemy doesn't have a modern way of viewing NFL offense. Email from Jack L. of our recent conversations about the state of the Josh Harris Group's purchase of the Commanders. Uh, we on Monday show, episode 582, got a lot of intel on the state of the purchase uh, from a great guest, Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, a high-level attorney, uh, a man who is extremely well-connected, a man who is very familiar with all that is going on with the Josh Harris Group. Uh, Howard knows multiple people in the group. Writes Jack, Hi, Al. My theory about the NFL's bumps in the road for the Harris Group is that the NFL is signaling to Harris as follows. Hey there, small-time hockey-slash-basketball guy. <laughs> Slow your roll. You do not own the team. And until we approve the sale, you are a nothing to the team. So stop all team-related activity. No more meetings with politicians about a new stadium. Stop trying to ignite a three-jurisdiction battle over a stadium site. No more prospectus leaks and or discussions about profit potential. Stop everything and sit in the corner and behave yourself until we tell you otherwise. If you want in the NFL, sit down, shut up, be humble, show respect to all other owners and to the NFL, and should we approve the sale, show that you know your place as lowest on the ownership totem pole. You will be expected to kneel and kiss the ring. You can accept those conditions, or you can come up with another billion dollars. I know that what I have described sounds out there, but having been in private business for 41 years and having interacted with thousands of people along the way, I have learned that pettiness rules the world much more than facts and substance do. Al, thank you for the podcast. You are not only highly informative, you also have a great presentation style. Well, thank you very much for that, Jack. Uh, <laughs> wow, a sobering theory uh, from our guy, Jack, on what's going on here between the NFL owners and the Josh Harris group. Look, there very much is a frame here of the Harris group needs to bend to the NFL and not vice versa. Uh, Howard Gutman even said that. Uh, as Howard said on Monday's show, whatever the NFL needs done, the Harris Group will make that happen. As Howard also said, the NFL is like the mob. When the NFL tells you that it needs something done, there really is not a no. <laughs> There's just a how do you want me to put the yes. <laughs> but let's think about this logically. The other three teams in the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, and the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, those three teams all have ownerships that have been in place for decades now. So these are ownerships with influence, especially those of the Cowboys and Giants. Cowboys owner, president, and general manager Jerry Jones is the most powerful owner in the NFL. Uh, Giants president and chief executive officer John Mara is not far behind Jerry. Why would Jerry Jones or John Mara want to make things easy for a division rival in the Commanders? Uh, yes, NFL owners want Dan Snyder to no longer be Commanders owner. The other NFL owners want Dan out. But that doesn't mean that they're going to make things super easy for the Josh Harris group. 
And so if the likes of Jerry Jones and John Mara and Eagles chairman and chief executive officer Jeffrey Lurie can delay the approval of the Harris Group's purchase of the team until July or even August, and that delay works to prevent the team from, say, signing players like, say, edge defender Montez Sweat and safety Cameron Curl to contract extensions, all the better from the perspectives of Jerry Jones and John Mara and Jeffrey Lurie. Just because NFL owners want Dan Snyder out doesn't mean that uh, they now are our friends, our allies. Uh, Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) These NFL owners, they're still gangsters. Make no mistake. But if you're Josh Harris, you got to play ball. You got to do as you're told. You get the sale approved. And then you get to work. So I don't see Josh Harris not acquiescing to whatever changes need to be made to the purchase of the commanders in order to get it approved. Uh, You got to get the purchase approved before you start taking stands against NFL owners. Well, for more than 40 years, clients in the Washington, D.C. area have been approving of the law firm of Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Founded in 1979, Paulson and Nace is dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. And by the way, a big congratulations to Chris Nace, who was just named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. Uh, This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Paulson and Nace does not accept Low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. And this is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. Make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You could also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. The Commanders on Thursday held the sixth of their seven OTA practices this offseason. The practice was not open to the media, but the team after practice had multiple assistant coaches do post-practice press conferences. Uh, Next segment, I'll take you through and react to a lot of good stuff from defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. But right now, let's discuss what assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy had to say. Uh, Biennemi's post-practice presser lasted for about 25 minutes. He had a lot to say. Uh, Nothing this commander's offseason matters more than the sale of the team, of course. But 
From a football standpoint, you certainly could argue that the number one development for the team this offseason has been the hiring of Eric Bieniemy. Uh, the commanders on January 10th fired offensive coordinator Scott Turner. The commanders on February 18th announced the hiring of Eric Bieniemy as assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator. Washington has had a bad offense in each of the last five seasons, 2018 through 2022. Can Eric Bieniemy? will Eric Bieniemy get our team to having a good offense or even just a decent offense for the first time since at least the 2017 season? And you could argue that Washington hasn't had a truly good offense since the 2016 season. The 2017 Redskins had a decent passing offense, but also a bad rushing offense, also had an offensive line uh, that got wrecked by injury. One of the things that has been immediately noticeable with Eric Bieniemy is that he is a high energy, high intensity coach. We have seen this in his press conferences. We have seen this in these OTA practices open to the media. This was not how Scott Turner was as Washington offensive coordinator. This was Bieniemy on Thursday afternoon on his coaching style. You know what? It's fun. It's <laughs> you guys gonna learn. I'm. I'm pretty loud every at practice so but it's fun <laughs> but that's the beauty of being out there because you get an opportunity to interact with your guys you get an opportunity to watch them work the thing that i want them to understand while we're out there is maximizing every single opportunity that we have and so yes you have to create energy we have to bring that energy so our players can feed off of that so they can be excited about the opportunities that lies ahead. Practice should not feel like practice, okay? We're all in this professional arena. We get to have fun. This is professional sports. So why not go out there and enjoy what you do? But there's a professional way in which we got to get it done. We got to have a sense of urgency. We got to have a sense of purpose, all right? And then we got to have a plan on what we want to accomplish each and every day. I know practice is not going to be perfect, and I'm perfectly fine with that. But as long as we're working hard, as long as we're working on three things minimal per player on something to help improve our game, then you know what? We're giving ourselves a chance down the line. And along those lines, uh, Eric Bieniemy during Wednesday's OTA practice had commander's offensive players repeat certain things when those things were off. Uh, Bieniemy very much seems to be a stickler for detail, which I love. Uh, I think that that's awesome, if true. Uh, this was Bieniemy on Thursday afternoon on having players do things until getting those things right. Well, it's first of all, we got to get out of the huddle. We got to know where to align. And then on top of that, we need to know exactly how we want to accomplish this particular scheme, this particular play. And uh, depending on what the situation is, how we going to handle that particular situation. So at the end of the day, I want those guys to get it. I want them to have an understanding that, you know, we can't waste these opportunities. We only have so many reps throughout the course of a practice so we have to make it right you know now i understand at times we're gonna make mistakes but i also got to look at myself in the mirror and make sure that i'm doing the right thing and communicating the message clearly so they have a complete understanding but also too that the message has been received so a part of that yes at times coach eb can get out of hand okay But also, too, those guys know I want them to strive for perfection in order to achieve excellence by having a complete understanding of what we're doing and how we're going to get it done. 
All right. So how is it going with the man being positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season? Uh, here was Eric Bieniemy on Thursday afternoon on Sam Howell. Well, first of all, Sam's a very competitive kid. The thing I love about him, too, he's he's smart. He understands some of the times when he's making mistakes. And the only thing he wants to know is what can he do to get better? More than anything, I'm enjoying just watching him work and watching how he handles the highs and the lows because you're going to have some of that throughout the course of uh, of working during the offseason just like you would if you were playing in the game. But the thing that I love about him is that he's always staying steady. His demeanor does not change, and he's very, very competitive. And, and I will say this. He autocorrects himself as well because he knows exactly what he did and what he should have done, which is a good thing. Yeah, that's a very good thing. I actually was really happy to hear that on Thursday afternoon. Few things are worse than people who don't acknowledge their mistakes or people who don't admit when they're wrong or people who won't learn from mistakes. I actually think that this has been one of the biggest flaws with our outgoing commander's owner, Dan Snyder. A lack of self-awareness, a lack of humility, uh, a lack of acknowledging mistakes and learning from them. Uh, so good to hear that Sam Howell seems to be a self-aware person. And maybe, just maybe, uh, Sam can end this run of quarterback instability for our team. At least three different starting quarterbacks in each of the last five regular seasons, 2018 through 2022. Few people are as aware of that fact as receiver Terry McLaurin is. Does any receiver in the NFL deserve to play with a good quarterback more than Terry does? This was Eric Bieniemy on Thursday afternoon on Terry McLaurin. Ultimate professional. Does a hell of a job of showing up to work every single day. Uh, you want everybody to be like Terry. Terry works his tail off. Um, he sets an example by his work ethics and what he does. He's also a man of his word. So, I mean, I knew about him when he came out of Ohio State. We watched a lot of tape on him uh, when he was coming out. But love the man, love the character, and uh, I am enjoying the professional football player. So to me, there are three major items to be thinking about in terms of the commander's offense being better this coming season. A, Eric Bieniemy. B, Sam Howell. C, the commander's revamped offensive line. What do all three of those things have in common? Uh, well, they're all new in their own ways. Uh, offenses with a lot of new stuff tend to take some time to come together. Uh, this was Eric Bieniemy on Thursday afternoon on how things are going. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington. You know what? It's going good. We're, we're, <laughs> we're still at the beginning. I mean, it's still a, the, the intro section of where we're at. But I will say this. These guys have done a heck of a job of working at it. We're challenging them to study. We're challenging them to study all the film. We want them to gain a perspective of how we're going to get things done. On top of that, it's, it's all about creating a culture of, of accountability and creating a culture of how we work and how we do things. So uh, it's still in this infant stages. But the thing that I like is that these guys have been receptive. They've been working their tails off, okay? These are professional football players. It ain't like we got a bunch of bad apples in the room. These guys, they want to do it right. They may not know it right now on how to do it the right way all the time, but they want to do it the right way. And that's the thing that makes it fun. 
it, mistakes are natural, right? And yes. Throughout life, though, when you have transitions and changes, there's often kind of hurdles and roadblocks. Have you experienced any pushback, or, or have there been any situations where you've had to lean back? No, and and so there hasn't been any issues. But one thing, I'm always open and honest with the guys. If I make a mistake, hey fellas, I screwed this up. I told I told you the wrong thing. I I, I shouldn't have done that. So my job is to make sure that I'm also being accountable and displaying that so these guys can gain that trust within me because the last thing you want to do is lose that trust based on something that you told them that wasn't a fact or that wasn't right or it didn't apply in that particular situation so yes i have made mistakes and i'm not i'm not afraid of showing my vulnerability and so i want them to be the same and so i see that and these guys like i said we got a good group these guys are they're learning what accountability means but big picture they're also learning the big picture meaning that hey once they stop buying into and not so much buying into but making sure that they can do what is best for their teammate okay and stop looking out for themselves now they're seeing the big picture which now, if we grow together as a team and the player next next to me is by far the most important player, okay, when we're uh, going through a sequence of plays, then that's going to help take us to the next level because we have to learn how to play together. We have to learn how to play for one another, and that's the beauty of, 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 of team sports, and this happens to be one of the, better, the best ones because without each other, we can't accomplish anything. It doesn't make a difference how much talent we have or don't have. We got to make sure that we're playing for each other and being accountable and making sure that we understand all the detailed aspects of what it's going to take for us to, to have the success that we want to have. Okay, a lot there from uh, Eric Bieniemy. He quite clearly is not shy about giving expansive answers, and I certainly can appreciate that. Everything that he said makes sense. I got to tell you, in listening to Bieniemy now over multiple press conferences with the commanders, it's hard to buy into this idea that he hasn't interviewed well for NFL head coaching jobs. We know the deal with Bienemy. He has come to the commanders to get himself an NFL head coaching job. He reportedly has interviewed for 16 NFL head coaching jobs with 15 teams. He's not gotten a single one of those jobs. Oh, for 16. Uh, he spent the last 10 seasons as an offensive assistant for the Kansas City Chiefs, including the last five seasons as the team's offensive coordinator. The Chiefs, of course, had tremendous offensive success during his time with the team, and yet he is 0 for 16 on NFL head coaching jobs. I don't know why that is, uh, but the 0 for 16 is hard to ignore. And so there have been various theories as to why the enemy hasn't yet gotten an NFL head coaching job. And one of those theories has been that he doesn't interview well. Uh, Well, I mean, you're hearing what I'm hearing. Does this sound like a guy who doesn't interview well? Uh, I'd say that Eric Biennemi actually is a pretty compelling talker. Now, of course, that doesn't guarantee anything for how his uh, commander's offense will be this coming season. But still, communication does not seem to be a problem for Biennemi. And getting back to Biennemi's coaching style, so something that was notable in the OTA practice on Wednesday was running back Brian Robinson Jr. getting frustrated toward the end of practice. Uh, This was Biennemi on Thursday afternoon on how he handles a player in a situation like that. 
it, you shoot them straight. You know, one thing that uh, I take a tremendous amount of pride in is making sure that guys understand we're going to always over-communicate clarity. All right? We're not going to leave any stones unturned. If something was to happen, we're going to make sure that we address that issue right then and there. Good, bad, or indifferent. But when it's all said and done with, we leave it alone and we keep it moving because we got too many good things to look forward to. And so I love what B-Rob brings to the table. I love the emotion and the excitement and the energy that he brings. One thing I want him, and not just him, but all of us to understand, is that we're all in this together. So regardless, you may be frustrated. But let's make sure that we don't lose our poise about something because it didn't happen the way it, you wanted it to happen. And that's a part of the growing process, okay? Because in order for us to be a great team, we got to make sure that we act as a team. And so sometimes things happen to where these are great learning lessons. And so B-Rob is, is, is about as good as a kid as they come. And... He knew instantly he was <laughs> happened to be wrong at that particular time. And he meant no ill will with anything. It was just his frustration of wanting to be great in that particular moment. All right. Eric Bieniemy does have a reputation for coaching guys hard. A commander's analyst and former Skins tight end Logan Paulson. He was with Bieniemy during his time as UCLA running backs coach and recruiting coordinator in 2005. Logan, on episode 513 of this podcast, told us, quote, I've never been around a coach who coaches as aggressively as Eric Bieniemy." end quote. I think that that's a good thing. I think that this offense needs that. Again, Washington has had a bad offense in each of the last five seasons. What do we have to lose? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So our last segment talked about what commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy said in his post-OTA practice press conference on Thursday afternoon, a presser that lasted for about 25 minutes. Uh, we're now going to talk about what commander's defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio said in his post-OTA practice press conference on Thursday afternoon, uh, a presser that lasted for about 13 minutes. Uh, no surprise that uh, Jack's presser lasted for half as long as Eric's presser lasted. Uh, as we have come to know, Jack Del Rio, not a big fan of the press conference, but that's okay. I care a lot more about how Jack's defenses do than how long his press conferences are. Jack Del Rio has been Washington's defensive coordinator since January 2020. The team with him as defensive coordinator has altered between having good and bad defenses. Uh, here are Washington's rankings in the NFL in total defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric in each of Jack's three regular seasons as the team's defensive coordinator. 2020, number three. 2021, number 27. 2022, number nine. How about third down defense? Here are Washington's rankings in the NFL in third down defense in each of Jack's three regular seasons as the team's defensive coordinator. 2020, number six. 2021, number 31. 2022, number one. How about that journey from number six to number 31 to number one? And so we, on Thursday afternoon, had the following exchange between Commander's Insider Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington and Jack Del Rio. Third down defense is a stat that can fluctuate from year to year. I mean, you guys were 31st two years ago and then first in that last year. What about that area do you think makes it something that can really bounce back and forth or maybe be something that's hard to carry over from year to year? I don't know. I'm focused on uh, going forward, being as good as we can be helping our football team win you know so third down comes that's the money down we've got to be able to get the ball back for our offense and we did it at, a, at an excellent rate last year and, you know, looking forward to getting after it and finding a way to do that well again this year what were what were maybe the main reasons why you think you were so successful on third down last year things that you can replicate this season as you look forward uh, I mean, it's um, it's all competition. I mean, you, you try and dial into things you guys can do well, and um, you know, it's always a combination of rushing coverage and working together hand in hand, and understanding how people are trying to attack you, and and utilizing the people you have to get them stopped. And I feel like we found a good rhythm with that last year, and, and did a solid job in that area. And you know, we'll look to do the same this year. By the way, I loved how that exchange began. Pete Haley asked this nice, elaborate question, and then Jack Del Rio responded <laughs> by saying, I don't know, okay? Jack had, like, no desire to entertain that question. Here you go. Third down defense is a stat that can fluctuate from year to year. I mean, you guys were 31st two years ago and then first in that last year. What about that area do you think makes it something that can really bounce back and forth or maybe be something that's hard to carry over from year to year? I don't know. I'm focused on uh, 
going forward, being as good as we can be. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the great lessons from football outsiders has been something called the plexiglass principle. Uh, the plexiglass principle states that an NFL team that significantly improves or declines in a phase of the game in one season tends to see the opposite with that phase the following season, basically because significant improvement and significant decline tend to be functions of, at least in part, luck and circumstance. Few entities in the NFL capture the plexiglass principle as well as Washington's defense these last few seasons does. Uh, Well, the commander's defense, in its quest to avoid the pitfalls of the plexiglass principle, has been without the team's top two edge defenders, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, for now six of the team's seven OTA practices this offseason. Montez Sweat is one thing. He's coming off a terrific 2022 season, and he overall has been a productive and durable player for Washington. Chase Young, as we have discussed, is another thing. Uh, He has not had a good season since his great 2020 rookie season. He, over the last two regular seasons, has played in just 12 of Washington's 34 games due to the badly injured right knee that he suffered in November 2021. These guys missing these OTA practices doesn't mean that these guys are doomed to have terrible 2023 seasons, but especially with Chase, I just don't see what the big freaking deal is to attend a mere seven OTA practices over the course of a six and a half month offseason, especially when coming off a disappointing last two seasons as Chase is. Here was Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on Montez Sweat and Chase Young not attending these OTA practices, which are, wait for it, voluntary. Uh, And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. It's a voluntary time of year. I'm grateful for the guys that are here. I think we're getting a lot of good work in, um, really establishing our culture and and um, putting in a lot of good work, you know. And and uh, I, I'm just appreciative of the guys that are here. Have you talked to Chase at all? And what can he do when he's not at the facility to help, you know, speed up that process when he does report? What, what can he do? What now? What can he do to maybe speed up the process or help him ease back in when he gets here? Uh, just be here, you know. Um, and um, when when he gets here, get to work. Very interesting that uh, Jack Del Rio, instead of making excuses for Montez Sweat and Chase Young, simply expressed gratitude to those players who have been attending these OTA practices. So, like I said, Montez Sweat is coming off a terrific 2022 season. Montez, in the 2022 regular season, played in all 17 of the Commanders games. He, for that 2022 regular season, ranked tied for fourth in the NFL in quarterback hits with 28 and ranked tied for 13th in the NFL in tackles for loss with 14. And Montez, for the 2022 regular season, had an overall grade for pro football focus of 86.4, which is great. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. However, if you just look at sacks, Montez Sweat certainly has another level to which he can get. Uh, Montez, in the 2022 regular season, had those impressive totals of 28 quarterback hits and 14 tackles for loss, but also just eight sacks. Uh, Not that eight sacks is some hideous sack total, but Montez is capable of having a sack total in the teens. But he has not gotten there yet. In fact, Montez, over his four regular seasons, 2019 through 2022, has never had more than nine sacks 
in an NFL regular season. This was Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on how Montez can get better at finishing. And then you'll hear another follow-up exchange with Sam Fortier. That'll be the challenge. Uh, I think that was, you know, really the message for Deron Payne going into last year. He was very disruptive the year before um, and, and left a lot on the plate, you know, and uh, I think really, I think Montez is in a similar situation. I think he's been very close, very disruptive, done a lot of really good things. I mean, he's a good football player, and um, uh, when he starts finishing at a, at a higher rate, you know, his numbers are going to explode. And so um, I anticipate him having that kind of uh, that kind of a year for us. I, you know, he needs to have that for himself, and, and, and we'd like to see it you know, for our team. Is there anything specific that, that goes into that, or is it just him finishing when he gets to Just understanding you know, the difference, really, um, where you have these opportunities and to close the deal. And uh, you, know, you work so hard as a pass rusher to get in position. Um, coverage has to help you there, you know, be enough coverage to give you time to get there. And, and then when you're there, close the deal. And uh, it, it'll add zeros to your check. Uh, yes, adding zeros to your check. Uh, Montez Sweat is entering the fifth and final season of his rookie contract. A nit to pick with the commander's defense last season was a lack of turnovers. Uh, the commanders for the 2022 regular season were just a 26th out of 32 NFL teams in takeaways with 18. For comparison's sake, the Dallas Cowboys were number one in the NFL with 33 takeaways. Now, takeaways are tricky. They so often are random and fluky and fluctuate year to year. Uh, That said, takeaways are good and you want them. Uh, You want lots of them. Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on trying to get his defense to generate more takeaways. You know, we're working on the fundamentals of of, um, executing, whether it be, you know, forcing fumbles or getting interceptions and um, some of the some of the fundamentals that you can work on this time of year to emphasize that um, the fact that we're going to work it um, even more so than we have uh, it's an emphasis point. So, you know, two things really for me starting this year is starting fast and um, and create more turnovers. Those, those are two areas for us that I feel defensively for us to contribute to this football team, give this team a chance to win a bunch of games. We've got to be stronger in those two areas and, and still be good in the other areas. I mean, we, you know, we did some good things, but those are two areas we've got to do better. All right, so Jack Del Rio revealing two points of emphasis for the commander's defense this offseason, starting fast and creating more turnovers. The starting fast thing certainly rings true. Washington's defense has gotten off to a slow start in each of Jack's first three seasons as the team's defensive coordinator. Uh, What about the autonomy that Jack Del Rio seems to have over the commander's defense? We on Thursday's show, episode 585, talked about what Ron Rivera said during his pre-OTA practice press conference on Wednesday morning regarding his role as head coach. Quote, I feel more like a manager at times than I do anything else and quote, and Ron went on to vent about his uh, non-football responsibilities uh, given the sale of the team and uh, all of the other off-the-field stuff that has happened with the team since he officially became its head coach on New Year's Day 2020. This was Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on the responsibility that he has been given by Ron Rivera. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com. 
Ron's been great uh, four years with with me. It, it hasn't changed a great deal. Um, we share whenever he's um, available and wants to get dig into it. We'll 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 share, but basically he lets us, you know, lets us uh, do our thing, and um, and so we've got a good staff. I'm, I'm really pleased with the way. Uh, you know, we hired from within when we lost Chris Harris and uh, elevated uh, Christian Garcia and elevated uh, Brett Wieselmeyer. And I really like the way that staff is working, uh, or the uh, defensive backfield is working. I think they're they're doing a great job. They're doing a lot of teaching, and and um, I think doing a great job with it. So I'm excited about the way that's that's coming together. Is that kind of unique or, or special? That level of autonomy that, that you get here to to run the unit? No, not really. No, I mean, uh, uh, it's pretty, I mean, I've done this a while, so I think, um, you know, I think maybe there's a little trust there knowing that, uh, um, you know, very, very transparent. We're going to, you know, clearly show coach what we're wanting to do and, um, you know, if there's ever any question or ever anything he wants explained or ever, ever anything he wants to, to, to understand better we're I'm, you know we, we we knock it out but um he really has been very trustworthy um allow us to do our thing and and i'm the same way with my with, with the guys the staff the defensive side i mean i, I believe in the power of that i believe in us all contributing and uh uh whether it be reggie howard our, our brand new quality control guy or whether it be uh brent Wiesmeyer, the head of our, our defensive backfield i'm i'm counting on those guys all contributing Jack Del Rio is entering his fourth season as Washington defensive coordinator. He has twice been an NFL head coach, and he, during the 2020 season, essentially was Washington's acting head coach while Rod Rivera was dealing with cancer. So Ron giving Jack space with which to run the defense uh, is not shocking. Uh, and there was one other item from Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon that stood out to me. What Jack had to say about linebacker Jamin Davis. So Jamin last season had a step forward season. He wasn't great, but he was like decent. And that was a big time improvement off his very disappointing 2021 rookie season. Now, as you might remember, both Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera were publicly critical of Jamin early last season, especially Jack in a post-practice press conference last September 15th. And what became quite clear was that That was done to motivate Jamin. That that tactic was seen by Ron and Jack as being appropriate to get through to Jamin. Uh, And Jamin ended up responding to being called out. Now, maybe he didn't need to be called out, but he got called out and he did end up having a decent second NFL season. And so with all of that in mind, this was Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on what he's looking for from Jamin Davis this coming season take the next step you know I thought um, we had more splash plays and less you know what the heck are you doing plays and we need that that trend to continue um, you know, year three now uh, we should we should expect him to be uh, at his best and um, he's gonna be challenged I'll, I'll be honest with you you know because our guys are attacking it I mean they're doing they're doing a great job uh, Cody Barton's come in and he's He's shown that he's going to be a, a valuable piece for us, and uh, guys like Khalid Hudson have been really been playing outstanding. You know, from I think he gained a little bit of confidence from that last outing against Dallas. You know, he went out there and played really well. So he's coming to this off season full of energy and getting a lot of reps because uh, because Jameis is not going. 
So when Jamin gets back, the key for him is going to be eliminate some of the what the heck is what the heck is this plays from his game and have some more of those splash plays where he, he does he does bring the ability to have some of those splash plays. Yeah, so some more blunt speak, some more real talk from Jack Del Rio on Jamin Davis. What's so funny is that Jack is so not wanting to open up about most other players and just most things in general. But when Jack gets asked about Jamin, it's like a switch gets turned on and Jack all of a sudden becomes willing to talk a bunch. But again, there's a method to this. This is how Jack feels he needs to be in order to get through to Jamin. Uh, Jamin Davis, in each of his two NFL regular seasons, has played in 16 of Washington's 17 games. If you go by the pro football focus overall grades, he, for the 2021 regular season, had an overall grade of just 46.8, but he, for the 2022 regular season, had an overall grade of 62.9. 62.9 is not a great grade, but that is uh, considerably better than the 46.8 for his rookie season. Uh, it is next offseason in which the commanders will have to decide on the fifth-year option in Jamin Davis's rookie contract. As things stand right now, uh, that is going to be a very interesting decision. So on Thursday morning, had the introductory press conference for the Capitals' new head coach, Spencer Carberry. Uh, The Caps on Tuesday morning named Carberry as the 20th head coach in franchise history, concluding a head coaching search that lasted for a month and a half. Uh, It was on April 14th that the Caps announced that the team and head coach Peter Laviolette had, quote, mutually agreed to part ways, end quote. Uh, speaking at this press conference on Thursday morning were Spencer Carberry and Caps Senior Vice President and General Manager Brian McClellan. Uh, the presser was held at uh, District E, uh, which is adjacent to Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. So we know the deal with the Caps. Uh, they this season did not make the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time in nine seasons and for just the second time in 16 seasons. Uh, the Caps this season engaged in a sell-off prior to the NHL trade deadline on March 3rd, but the Caps are not rebuilding. They are retooling. And I do endorse this. Uh, and I say this as someone who often endorses teams engaging in rebuilds, but The NHL is unlike the NFL, MLB, and the NBA in that the NHL is the most wide open of the four major pro sports leagues in this country in terms of the postseason. We constantly see lower-seeded teams do well in Stanley Cup playoffs. Heck, we this Saturday night have Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final, the Florida Panthers at the Vegas Golden Knights Saturday night at 8. The Panthers were the 8th seed in the Eastern Conference. They, in the first round, knocked off the President's Trophy-winning Boston Bruins, who this season didn't just win the President's Trophy for most points in the regular season. No, the Bruins this season set a new NHL single-season regular season points record. Uh, In fact, the Bruins set that record with a win over the Capitals, uh, April 11th, a 5-2 Caps loss at the Bruins. But what happened to the Bruins is why the Caps do not have to rebuild They only have to retool because in the Stanley Cup playoffs, as long as you're in, you have a chance to win. There is no postseason in major pro sports in which seeding means less than in the Stanley Cup playoffs. If you're good enough to make the postseason in the NHL, then you're good enough to win a Stanley Cup, especially if you have a goaltender who gets hot. The camps are not that far off. 
from being playoff caliber. Uh, they do have work to do, but it's not like their cupboard is empty. Uh, at the same time, the Caps do need to get younger. Uh, of that, there is no doubt. Uh, Spencer Carberry was the head coach of the Caps' AHL affiliate, the Hershey Bears, from June 2018 to July 2021. He, over his three seasons as Bears head coach, coached a bunch of guys who have played for the Caps in recent seasons, including defensemen Alexander Alexiev and Martin Fehervari, and forwards Connor McMichael, Alexi Protis, Beck Malenstein, and Joe Snively. Uh, also, Carberry was the head coach and director of hockey operations for the South Carolina Stingrays, uh, July 2011 to June 2016. The Stingrays served as the Caps' ECHL affiliate uh, in Carberry's final two seasons with the team. This was Spencer Carberry on Thursday morning on his vision for getting the Caps back on track, given these dual desires of wanting to get younger, but also still be a postseason team. So, so I think that that's, there's a mix, right? And, and I think my job coming in here, we have a highly motivated group of veteran players, leadership group, and we also have a group of players that, it, that it's my job to bring along and integrate into that group of young players like you referred to. So that, to me, is exciting. You have young players that are hungry to prove that they're um, capable National Hockey League players, and, th- and then you've got a group of uh, veteran players that that um, feel like they got a bit of a chip on their shoulder, and they're ready to prove something that we are still a uh, a very strong team in the National Hockey League. So that experience in that and in lower leagues and and uh, dealing with that, but that that's the mixer. That's what I'm trying to bring together and, and make sure that. Um, we compete at a real high level. And doing that is not going to be easy. Uh, it may be that this Caps attempt at a retool fails and that the team ultimately does have to engage in a full-fledged rebuild. But I do think that a retool is worth a shot, especially considering that winger Alex Ovechkin is still playing at a high level. This season was Ovechkin's age 37 season, and yet he, for the regular season, finished tied for ninth in the NHL in goals with 42 and finished 12th in the NHL in shots on goal at 294. Ovi still is producing at a high level. Now, I mentioned this season having been Ovi's age 37 season. He's not that much younger than his new head coach. Uh, Spencer Carberry is just 41. Uh, This was Brian McClellan on Thursday morning on what he sees in Spencer Carberry from a standpoint of leading older players. I think our older core is coming in motivated this year. I think Spencer's experience in Toronto Dealing with established, highly skilled players running a high-end power play, I think that level of relationship, that level of communication, I think it's a skill he's learned over the last two years, and I think it's applicable to what's going on with us. We'll have the same type of players, and I think he's had experience doing that. So I think, you know, in the end, I think he's a blend of, you know, having a strong background in development and being able to coach high-end players, too. So um, it's a good fit. And you heard Brian McClellan mention Spencer Carberry's experience in Toronto. Uh, Carberry did do well as an assistant coach with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was an assistant coach for the Leafs from July 2021 up until now. Uh, Carberry with the Leafs was responsible for the team's power play and oversaw the team's forwards, the Leafs over Carberry's two seasons running the team's power play had a regular season power play efficiency at 26.6%, number two in the NHL 
during that span. And Corberry, as a Leafs assistant coach overseeing the team's forwards, got a lot out of those forwards who, yes, are super talented forwards. Uh, but guys like Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, and John Tavares all did well uh, with Spencer Carberry on board with the Leafs. Uh, Leafs forwards for the 2021-2022 regular season ranked number two in the NHL in goals and number three in the NHL in points. Leafs forwards for the 2022-2023 regular season ranked number four in the NHL in goals and number four in the NHL in points. The Maple Leafs are one of the most exciting teams in the NHL. Is that what Spencer Carberry is going to make our caps. Uh, the caps with Peter Laviolette as head coach were not exactly dynamic offensively. Uh, this was Spencer Carberry on Thursday morning on the identity that he envisions for the caps with him as head coach. Yeah, the, the from watching and my philosophies on the ice, that the, the two words that I think I'll use a lot early on is um, is pace and being connected. And a lot of people equate pace with speed. And and for, for me, pace is a little bit different than just straight players that can skate fast and, and playing quick. Like pace for me is, is you, you can show that with the puck and without. Like our, our puck pressure, our neutral zone, our D zone puck pressure, our four check, and then with the puck, like we will talk constantly about our pace and playing at a higher pace and getting up the ice with and without the puck and putting pressure when we don't have it, let's get it back, and then getting on the attack um, pace-wise. And then the other part of that, the connected term that I use, I think is important that we have five guys on the ice that are on the same page with what we're doing. And we've got to be really connected as we move up the ice, and won't get into all the X's and O's, but the connected term is something that I'll use a lot with our group of, of making sure that five guys are on the same page with how the puck is going to transport from our end to the other end or vice versa. So Spencer Carberry wants to emphasize pace and being connected. Uh, Pace is a magical word in sports these days. Would love to see the Caps become more like the Maple Leafs or the New Jersey Devils, you know, an exciting high-octane offense team. But the Caps are almost certainly going to have to get younger to do that. And this is where Spencer Carberry comes in. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 587. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders and on the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend. The Nationals this weekend have a three-game series against the Philadelphia Phillies at Nationals Park. The Orioles this weekend have a three-game series at the San Francisco Giants. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Third down defense is a stat that can fluctuate from year to year. I mean, you guys were 31st two years ago and then first in that last year. What about that area do you think makes it something that can really bounce back and forth or maybe be something that's hard to carry over from year to year? I don't know. I'm focused on um, going forward, being as good as we can be. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.